KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and standing by to join me is Rabbi Steve Leader. We're going to talk about his latest book, For You When I Am Gone, 12 Essential Questions to Tell a Life Story. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Janine. It's great to be with you. This book, when I heard about it, really grabbed me because I feel that so many times, I know my dad was a workaholic and it was, you know, his title and what he was making and what he was doing. And, and I, I wish I had spent more time. I did record his voice, which, which was so powerful to me, but I feel like we've lost touch with what really matters. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, we all, to some degree, because of the culture in which we live, we all buy into this lie, and it's a lie, that somehow what we have is who we are, mm-hmm. and that somehow our our outer life, our material life, is our inner life, yeah. has real meaning. And we work so hard, so long to make money, to buy so much stuff that nobody wants when we're gone. Yes. One of the, one of the worst memories of my life is walking down the basement after my dad died and seeing all of his stuff in a pile on the floor. Nobody wanted it yeah even goodwill didn't want it it's so, so sad it's sad and it and it's such yeah. a mistake now look i'm not saying that money and things don't matter i like i like nice things as much as the next person what i'm saying is is don't kid yourself that they have real meaning that is going to be important to your loved ones when you're gone i tell people that you know believing the material will express the emotional and the spiritual yes. is, is like handing someone a picture of food. Yeah. It, it's, it's not going to sustain them. What yeah. do they really need? They need our words. They need our words. You know, yeah. in, in the biblical Hebrew, the word for word and the word for thing is the same word. You cannot distinguish between the two, which means from a psycholinguistic standpoint, words are real. Words are concrete. Words can build. Words can destroy. Words can destroy. And, And yet, we spend so much time creating an estate plan and a legal will that gives away our crap. Yeah. And almost, yeah, and almost no time using our words to construct a story and a legacy that will be cherished by our loved ones. Our words are the most precious thing we can bestow upon our loved ones. It's the greatest thing we be- we can bequeath to them. Yes. And, yet, and yet, we don't do it. So this book is, I'm going to hold your hand and ask you these questions. I'm going to answer <clears throat> them for you from my perspective. I'm going to have others answer them for you and then invite you to answer these questions for yourself so that we do two things by that. One, of course, we we create this ethical will for our loved ones when we're gone. But when we honestly approach these questions with real vulnerability, the end result is like an x-ray of your inner life that you can hold up to the light and ask yourself, okay, 
These are the things I say matter. These are the things I say I believe in. Am I actually living that way? Yes. Or, or is this all kabuki? Yeah. And it's never too late to realign. You know, someone asked me last week and the, the book launched yesterday. So last week I did all this pre-launch stuff. And one of these journalists asked me such a like trick journalist question, which is summarize your book in two words. Oh, come on. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. But it came to me immediately. Those two words are don't wait. You know, I, I didn't know my last conversation with my dad was my last conversation with my dad. Really? I, I didn't know, you know, he had Alzheimer's and okay. one visit, we could speak with each other and the next visit, he never spoke again, really. You never know. It's true. So you never know, which is why you want to leave this legacy, but also it's never too soon or too late to ask yourself, am I living my truth? Yes, yes. And if not, to change your life. Yes. Rabbi, I feel that this book is very timely in that for a lot of us, including myself, I've had a lot of personal insight into myself and to what really makes life meaningful and what's all nonsense, the noise. And I think about my dad often, he passed away from stage four cancer and I tried to capture his voice and stories and things. And one of the most meaningful things I have besides his dad's things are a drum that he had and the story behind that. And so I feel that this is a, this book helps us focus on connecting with people we have neglected connecting with. I, I think you're right. There's a, there is, look, was it worth the death of a million people in this country? No. But that being said, mm -hmm. let's not let the pandemic be worthless. Yeah. It, it is causing a great reevaluation in America. Mm -hmm. And this book is a part of that reevaluation. I think we're all asking ourselves now, what, what do I really care about? Yes. What really matters? How do I want to live? Do I want to spend my life in uncomfortable clothes, in traffic, having breakfast, lunch, and dinner with people I don't really care about? Mm -hmm. Is that really how I want to live? Right. Or, or is there another way? Yes. And is that other way more aligned with my my heart and my soul? And and so this book, yes, it is really for the living. You know, every brush with death is really a brush with life, your life. And the time that you now realize is finite yeah. and precious. Now what? Yes. And I might add to that because this book made me think about this, the people that you might have disconnected from, you might want to be think about reconnecting it, You know, it's never too late to say, I'm sorry, or, you know, make amends. And sometimes it takes you being the bigger person just to look, pick up the phone. I've had battles with my dad where I just call him up. Hi dad, happy Hanukkah. And then he'd say, I'm so sorry. You know, it's like, no one knows who's going to make that move, that chess move, but just, trying to connect, make amends. Well, and you know, the first question about regret, what do you regret mm -hmm. the most? What I found is that what most people regret the most is not something they've done, but something they haven't done. Mm. And very mm -hmm. often the thing they haven't done 
is apologize. Yes. Wow. How did you come up with these questions? Well, it's funny. My editor asked the same question and I said, she said, how did you come up with these 12 questions in this order? They just, they just unfold a person's truth. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, 35 years and 15 minutes. That's how long it took me. So these are the questions I have been asking in this order for 35 years. When I meet with a family to talk about their loved one who has died so that I can help them prepare for the funeral and, and get to the truth of this person's life so that I can write the eulogy. Mm -hmm. An obituary tells us the facts of a person's life, but they doesn't mean anything. The fact mm -hmm. that I was, you know, born in 1960 in Minneapolis, that doesn't tell you anything. Yes. So these questions in this order have, in my experience, helped to unfold the truth of a person's life, all of it. And I've been asking these questions for 35 years, and they always reveal an amazing story. Everyone's life is amazing if you ask the right questions. Yes. Here's a question for you. When and why did you want to become a rabbi? Well, there's a short answer and there's a long answer. So okay. let's see. The short answer is that uh, I grew up in a, in a family that, I grew up in a working class family. My parents were 17 and 18 when they got married. They had five children before they were 30. They didn't go to college. They barely graduated high school. And I grew up in a, in a blue collar family. My dad and my uncle owned a junkyard. Oh. And pretty much every creative pursuit was dismissed as foolishness when I was a kid. You want to be a writer? Forget it. You want to be a musician? Forget it. You want to be an actor? Forget it. You should go to law school and run Leader Brothers or not go to law school and run Leader Brothers. Those that was my those were my two choices, right? Did you rebel? Did you rebel? Well, I I did. Mm -hmm. But what more than rebel, I adapted. The one place that was an exception to that rule was the synagogue. Mm. It was the one place they would drive me to. It was the one place where I could go without negative judgment and where I could be creative and intellectual. And, uh, and, and you know, the girls were there and mm. it was my social life. And, and the rabbi seemed to me magical in a way. Wonderful. And then, and then when I was 14, I got arrested um, for shoplifting Bob Dylan albums from Target. Yeah. And my parents woke up. I'm the fourth of five kids. They woke up and thought they should start paying some attention to me. And they sent me to a Jewish summer camp in Wisconsin. And I was 15 years old then. And it changed my life. I loved everything about it. Everything. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a rabbi in shorts who could throw a baseball. <laughs> I thought it was a revelation to me. I thought, wait a minute, rabbis can be normal people. Yeah, normal. Really? Well, well, maybe I, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I haven't looked back since I was 15. 15. 15. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, you know, we're all at an age at some point where we see someone yes. or something and we say, that's for me. And that's what happened to me. That's wonderful. Amazing. I want to jump into your book. I 
I sure. tagged a few pages. Yeah. Uh, there is, well, there's a couple of things. I love some of these excerpts. Um, this is some insight. Slow down and enjoy the day, be present. I wish I had savored each moment rather than being in the moment thinking about what I needed to do next. Specifically, I wish I had taken more trips, even visited local things, particularly with my husband, because there's no better way to make memories than to have experiences, especially travel together. Yes, I think uh, one of the things, again, this goes under this, what do you regret? You regret the things you didn't do. And mostly what we didn't do was privilege time and experience over the material. Yes. It's the trips we didn't take, the words we didn't speak, the forgiveness we didn't seek or offer. It's, it's experience and it's the world of the heart and the soul. Uh, and, and this idea of being more present, you know, I, I quote this really interesting study in the book by a psychologist named William Marston. And he asked, the, he asked 3,000 people this question, what are you living for? And 94% of the people answered that they were, they were not living for the present. They were living for some future event. Oh, I'm living for paying off the mortgage. I'm living for the kids to graduate college. I'm living to retire. I'm living to write this book someday, to start this hobby someday. 94% of us waiting instead of living. Oh, right. And being present. Yes. And, and yes. so if you can wake up to that now, you can change your life. Definitely. Yeah. Which again, I feel that the pandemic has done that for me and a lot of other people. Yes. But the question is, do we, do we eventually quickly or slowly revert to our former default setting? Or are we going to really, really make a change? I hope so. I hope we don't go back. People have said, oh, when are we going to go back to normal? I don't, I don't think there's a turning back. I don't, and I don't think normal was so good for us. Well, that, that's the great reevaluation. And that's what these questions are all about. Yes. What else would you like people to know about the book? Uh, first, that it came out yesterday and it's available wherever they buy books. And that I will hold their hand in this book. I will hold your hand and help you look at these questions and help you tell your story in a way that will be the greatest gift you can give your loved ones and yourself. Like, I got you. Yeah. I got you. You're really also teaching us how to become better humans, become kinder, compassionate, and thoughtful. Yeah. And how to be, how to live our truth, really, because we all believe in that. Yes. But sometimes we lose our way. Yes. And, and there, so this will help us all find our way. I was going to add that I feel that these are also lessons that parents can teach their kids. These are these are lessons that we ought to live and not just talk about. You yeah. know, do you tell your kids to be kind to each other? But you haven't called your sister in three years. Do you tell your kids to be honest, but you sneak them in for the 12 and under price when they're 14? Right. <laughs> I mean, these things don't sound like much. But they, they are. But they are. Do you tell your kids family first, but mm -hmm. you're on vacation without them? Right. You know? Do you tell your kids that, that they matter and you're at the freaking office all the time? Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, 
it, it is really an opportunity to realign with our truth. And to me, I will tell you this, the unhappiest people I know, Janine, are people who profess one set of values and live another set of values. Yeah. That tension, that dissonance is so painful. Yeah. It makes us feel like such an imposter. It's a terrible way to live because it's really living a double life. Yes. So the more aligned we can be, the more our lived values and our spoken values are aligned, the, the more fulfilled we are as human beings. And, and, you know, again, back to the pandemic a little bit, and I think growing a little bit older, I'm 62, and my father's death, I don't want to pretend anymore. Yeah. I don't want to pretend. Because when I pretend, I'm not proud of myself. Sure. And I'm not comfortable. So I'm, I'm done pretending. And that's a liberating, beautiful place to be. Sure. You feel lighter. What do you think of the fact that social media has been a positive, but also a detriment, especially to today's youth? I mean, here we, we've had so many shootings and so many, you know, bad news events from the war to just, just so much, it's overwhelming. Well, I think social media misrepresents reality. Oh yeah. And this is, this is the kabuki of it all, right? It's not real life, it's, it's edited. And, mm -hmm. and it gives us a false, a false feeling of life. You know, the news is not the world. The news is a tiny sliver of the world. Most people do not walk into fourth grade classrooms and murder 19 children and two teachers. Most people do not use guns to harm. Most people are not bigoted. Most people are kind and loving and sincere and doing their best. Yes. Most of the world is at peace. And most of the world is, is friendly. But you wouldn't know it from the news. That's right. And this is true for kids on social media. Most people's lives are not glamorous. Mm -hmm. They are not edited. They are not perfect. They, they don't have thousands of followers, whatever that means. Most of us, all of us, have a tiny handful of people who matter. I, I'm telling you, I'm on the inside of thousands of people's lives. No one has more than a tiny handful of people who really matter. Yes. And so I think that the the evil of it is that it gives us this it's like this picture of food. It's not real, but it's easy to get seduced. Yes. Now the power of it is it's a way to spread wonderful messages and wonderful information that will ennoble people's lives if they're willing to do the work. And this book is about you know, doing the work. work. Yeah. It, it just, I want to share a quick thing. I remember visiting my grandmother when she was alive and uh, she had me, she would always make me laugh. And I asked her, uh, what was your mother? Her mother's name was Minnie Samson. I said, what was her name 
when she lived, you know, in Europe and she says, Samachutsky. And I remember crying, laughing, but writing it down phonetically because I never wanted to forget it. And yeah. I said, what about your dad? She says, Malashkevitz. And again, <laughs> again, like you're laughing, I was crying and she's crying laughing. All those syllable Jewish names. Exactly. Right? And I'm like, what? And I, well, we were crying and we were always laughing so hard my stomach would hurt. Yeah. And I would just say to people, you know, ask questions because, you know, record their voices, have them share stories, have those moments. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Where can people get your book? Uh, wherever they buy books, it came out yesterday, wherever yes. they buy books and they can, uh, there it is. <laughs> and they can follow me on, uh, at Steve underscore leader, L E D E R on Instagram or my website, steveleader.com, or just Google me, reach out. Uh, for me, this is, this is really about helping people lead more meaningful and more beautiful lives. So if I can help anyone do that, just please reach out. I really mean that. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations. Thank you. It was great to be with you, Jimmy. I really appreciate the opportunity.